I entitled the message today, um, My Father's Eyes. And, uh, and um, I, I, just, I just believe that if we learn to see things as our Father sees things, that it changes things. It changes how we view society. It changes how we view ourselves. It changes how we view others. It changes how we view what God is doing in the lives of people that we know, people that we don't know. It changes how we feel about what's going on in the world today. Um, you know, there was a song written in, in 1998 by Eric Clapton called My Father's Eyes. Now, it's not the reason that I came up with this message, but as I was doing some research, I came across this song, and it kind of rang back in my head. And so for those of you that are close to my age, you know who Eric Clapton is. For those of you that, that enjoy playing the guitar, you know who Eric Clapton is because he's a great guitarist. Um, but Eric Clapton never knew who his real, his, who his real father was. And in fact, it wasn't until he was a teenager that he ever found out that the that uh, his grandmother and grandfather that were raising him were not his actual parents. And so he, he, uh, he wrote this song about a deep connection with his father that he never really got to experience. Um, it said it left him with so many thoughts of, of, and memories that never happened. He said one of the saddest moments in a child's life is if they would grow old without knowing their father. And it wasn't until Clapton actually became a father that he drew a deeper connection with his father by looking into his son's eyes. And, and through looking at his son's eyes, he could draw a connection to his birth father and how important that was for him. So, so the message today is going to be about, the, about how our lives change and how our perspective changes when we look at life through the eyes of our Father rather than with our own eyes. See, I think understanding God a little bit more will increase our passion for Him. And when we're able to see more clearly how God views His creation and how He sees us and how He sees others around us, it changes our perspective. We can draw deeper compassions for one another. We draw deeper passion for one another. We tend to have more mercy, and we are able to extend more forgiveness. You know, and the information that we take in with our eyes kind of shapes what we are and who we are and what we believe in and the experiences we have. So from the, from, from the very moment of birth, we take in all this information, and, and, and that kind of forms us into who we are. And, and I found out that we take in a lot of information with our eyes, and we give out a lot of information with our eyes. When I was going through paramedic training, I learned really, really fast that, that, that you could look at a person's eyes, and you could really assess a lot about that person. You could look into a person's eyes, and you could see rage, and you can see anger. You could see anxiety, or you could see peace. We can see sadness in somebody's eyes, and we can see heartbreak. We see fear, and we see courage. All those with the eyes. We can tell oftentimes if somebody's under the influence. And we can tell if somebody's home or if they're not home, if they're, if they're vacant. That was one of the first things that, that we were taught to do when we walk up to somebody. Look at their eyes and see what's going on, because we can't hide those. 
we can see passion in somebody's eyes, and we can see compassion in somebody's eyes. And we can learn a lot about our Heavenly Father by looking at our Father's eyes. We learn what God is about, and especially we learn what God cares about when we start to understand his compassion. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 tells us, I don't know if they'll have that up there or not, it says, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are, your, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, God has a heavenly perspective on what goes on. And that's where we struggle with it, that sometimes, because we only have a worldly perspective. We see what we experience every day, and we, and we see, uh, see um, how our, our views are formed. We are, we are born in the flesh, and we live in the flesh, and eventually we'll, we'll pass away in the flesh. And so what we know is, is of this earth is what we understand most. Not saying that we don't understand the heavenly perspective, but, but what, what we are geared towards, what we are geared to accept, and what we are geared to understand is what we do in the flesh. We, do, we, we get involved in all sorts of activities. We get involved in all kinds of things we enjoy doing. We, and and, and we, we actually do things that feed into the flesh, that become natural, that become comfortable for us. That's just the way life is. We have certain television shows that we enjoy because we like the way they make us feel. We've got certain foods we like to eat. We have games we like to play. We have sports we like to do. We have music we like to listen to. We like to listen to all these things because they, they, they help the flesh to feel good. And that's not a bad thing. Now, I'm not saying that, that everything that we do in the flesh is a sin or anything like that, because it's not. Not everything that we do is a, is, is, is a, uh, is a sin, but, uh, but I, mean, I mean, that would be, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous to think that, but, but there is a balance in life. And I believe in Ecclesiastics chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, and I love, I love this uh, the, the, the scripture verse, uh, because it tells us that there is a time for everything. It said, starting in verse 1, it says, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it starts out and it says, there is a time for everything. In a season for every activity under the heavens, there is a time to be born and a time to die there is a time to plant, and there is a time to pick. There is a time to kill, there is a time to heal, there is a time to tear down, and there is a time to build. There is a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, <clears throat> a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. There is a time to search and a time to give up. There is a time to give. There is a time to keep and a time to throw away. There is a time to tear and there is a time to mend. There is a time to be silent and there, are a, there is a time to speak. 
There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war. And there's a time for peace. The scripture tells me that there's, a, that there's an intricate balance in life. There's an intricate balance. And everything in moderation is good. But there are things that, that, that we can overdo it in. There are things that, that, uh, that as, as I'm going to share a little bit later, that, that, that sometimes we, we, we need to find a better balance. You know, what, what we experience every day in life, this is what we see, this is what we know. And when our faith is weak, sometimes we don't always make the best choices. And sometimes we don't always have the proper focus in life. Sometimes we get focused on, on all these different things. But, but, but God's focus is often different than our focus. And understanding His focus makes a big difference. The book of Genesis Right out of the gate, God gives us, gives us, tells us what his focus is for us. Right out of the gate, he tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. We start out in verse 26. It says, God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves along the ground. What's God want from us first? God first created us to bear his image. And the one part of his image is obvious. Because when Jesus came in the flesh, we saw what Jesus looked like. He had two arms. He had two legs. He walked upright. He spoke. <laughs> Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. I just thought of that. <laughs> but, 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 but that's who we are. We... we, we we, uh, we, we reflect his image in the physical. In the physical, every one of us reflect that image. But I don't believe it ends there. I don't, I, I don't believe that he just created us to reflect his physical image. He created us to bear the image of who God is. And so in order to understand what that image is, we need to understand who God is. We need to understand what God, the Father, what his characteristics are. See, because there is the Father, there is the Son, and there are the Holy Spirit, all, all part of God. So we understand God the Son, we see him in the physical, but God the Father and his characteristics. What do we know about God's characteristics? Well, God is infinite. He will live forever. Relation says, well, God will live forever, and his desire is for us to live forever. So in order for us 
to live forever. We have to understand a little bit more. It says in Revelation, in Revelations, it says that we are delivered from death and hell and the final judgment when we accept Jesus as Lord of our life. So when we do that, we gain infinity. That's part of his image. That's how we gain that part of his image, is by accepting Christ as our Savior. God never changes. That's another part of his characteristic. He never changes. His plans and his promises don't change. They don't get better. They don't get worse. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Unfortunately, sometimes we change. Sometimes good. Those are, those are good changes, but, but it's not always. You know, God is self-sufficient. He has no need. He doesn't rely on us for his existence. He deeply desires a relationship with each one of us, but he doesn't rely on us. So God is self-sufficient. God is wise and full of unchanging wisdom, and we learn about that in the book of Proverbs. That's part of his characteristic. He's wise with unchanging wisdom. He is faithful, and he will always stay that way. That's part of his characteristics. He is honest and will always be true. It is impossible for God to lie. It's part of his characteristic. It's part of the image that he wants for us. He is always loving and he is always good. And God is holy. He does not sin. And this is part of the image of God that he wants us to move. And there, there, there are so many more things that we learn in the scriptures about God. And, and if, you know, if, 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 if you can, uh, if, if, if you read the Old Testament, you learn about an image of God. And, I, and, and, and because there were some times that, that, that we kind of struggled with that, he sent us Jesus in the New Testament. And we learn about God's loving characteristic and, and, and how important that is in our life. And so this part, this part of, uh, uh, of being in his image, I call God the Father because that's his characteristics. So we have God the Father and his characteristics. God the Son, we're him in the flesh. And what is the last one that he talks about? Or this, the, the other one that he talks about, he says in verses 26 and 27, God wants us to have authority. Why does he want us to have authority? God tells us in, in verse 28, God tells man, in fact, he blesses them and tells mankind to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. God gives us authority to subdue the earth. And all too often, as I was reading in Ecclesiastic, there's a time for everything. All too often, there are certain areas in our life that we do not subdue that we do not take authority over, but God gives us authority, and that authority comes through the Holy Spirit. It comes through the death of Jesus. That is God's desire for our life, is to be able to take authority over those things that drag us down. So God the Father is referenced 
by his character. God the Son is referenced by Jesus in the flesh and the Holy Spirit. God gives us to subdue the earth and not let the earth subdue us. God's ways are not like our ways. They're higher than our ways. So that, that's one of the ways that we should see God and, and help to, to allow that to influence our vision. I, but I think it's also important for us to understand how God sees ourselves and how he sees others. How we view ourselves and how we view others is extremely important in living a productive Christian life. We are constantly inundated by the societal norm that attempts to define and redefine what is acceptable practice and what is not. From the beginning, from the beginning of time, From the beginning of time, there have been evolving cultural changes through life. There have been, been generation after generation, there is just constant change of our cultural differences. Uh, the, the things that I experience today and the things that I deal with are not the same that, 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 that my parents dealt with. And the things that my kids deal with are different than, than some of the things that I deal with. There, are, there is a constant generational cultural differences that, that oftentimes causes some dissension within generation to generation. Because it, it's my generation that feels that I'm right, and it was my, my parents' generations that felt that they were right, and the generation before that, and it goes on and on and on. It, it just, the, the world keeps turning, and these things just keep changing. And from the beginning of time, I believe to the end of time, until Jesus returns, we're not going to get it right. Each generation has their struggles and their shortcomings, and we all have growing pains and challenges. Today's generation and culture is no different than, than the last generation and culture. They continue to change, but God does not change. But all these changes do affect our vision and how we see things, and it, it helps us to form opinions. It, it helps us to form ideas and, and what we perceive as being normal for this person or that person. It all changes. But when we gain a greater understanding of God and are able to start to look at our lives and the lives of others the way God sees us, then it transforms our hearts. It increases our compassion and provides clarity to our future vision changes things. I want to take a look at a story in John chapter 9. Um, they might have verses 1 through 12 up there. I'm just going to go through uh, John chapter 9 verses 1 through 8 is all I'm going to read. I think that that'll be enough of the text in order for us to understand the point that I want to make. Starts out in verse 1. Uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem and uh, and um, as he went along, in verse 1, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. For as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. 
While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went, he washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Now, reading that story, most of our attention is probably drawn to the miracle that Jesus created, that Jesus performed right there. I I mean, it's very easy to be drawn towards that. But I think there's a lot more in this scripture that we can pull out of that that help us to understand about our fellow man. See, this man that Jesus healed was a blind beggar. Now, in, in, in many parts of our nation and nations across our globe, in many places, a blind beggar would be considered a second-class citizen. And I don't know what you feel if maybe before Jesus came around, if you were standing there or walking by the blind beggar, I don't know what kind of thoughts go through your mind. I don't know what kind of thoughts you have towards this person, what, what we might think of a person's worth or, or anything like that, that that might be a blind beggar, that might be standing on the street begging, there might be a neighbor that we dislike, might be somebody that we don't care a whole lot about, might be somebody that rubs us the wrong way, could be a boss, it could be a coworker, it could be could be a neighbor, it could, be, it could be anything. But so much of what we experience in life and in society help to form our idea and our opinion of people that we come in contact with. And so much of that is a vision of our society and not necessarily a vision of who God is. Step back and look at what it says in verse 3. In verse 3, Jesus tells the disciples that this man was born blind so that the work of God might be displayed. So we put an earthly value system on a man that's part of God's plan. And we don't look at him as part of God's plan. We don't look at people sometimes as part of God's plan. We look at them as somebody that's a thorn in our side or somebody that gets under our skin or somebody that's irritating us or somebody that's bothering us or somebody that we don't want to take time to bother with. And that happens sometimes. And I'm not saying it happens all the time because I know that there are, that, that we are full of great, generous, compassionate people in this church. It is full of, of people. Every time we have a special offering. Um, it's just overwhelming what you guys give. It's, it's awesome. So I'm not here to browbeat anybody or, or anything like that. But I know in my life, and I'm going to assume that it's true for most of us, that there are times when maybe we don't view things the way God views them. See, On the world standards, sometimes people don't seem like they have a whole lot of worth. 
that's not the case with God's standards. Yeah, there was a, I was, uh, when I was doing some research, I, I went, ran across a story of a gentleman that was, uh, him, him and his friend were traveling, going around, seeing different countries and going different places, and his friend was blind. And, uh, and, and, and they would travel together. They would go to, to, to all different, he talked about going to Dubai and all these different places and things like that. And uh, he, they, they flew into some country, and I forget which one it was, but it, it was, it was like kind of a borderline third world country. And, and, and they flew into this country, and they had to go through customs. And so they took this man and his blind friend, they took him to this, this, this little room, this little metal building, he said, to go through customs. And the security guard's sitting there, and he's asking him questions. He's talking to him, not too evasive or anything like that. And, and he's talking to him, and, and, and he's talking to the one gentleman. He looks over at the friend who is blind, and, uh, and he goes, what's up with him? And the, and the guy says, oh, he's blind. And from that point on, he never acknowledged the blind man. And I'm not saying that that's the way we are all the time. But I would imagine that most of us can go through times in our life when we might have overlooked something that maybe God would not want us to overlook. You see, sometimes we don't look around at this room and see each other as a masterpiece of God. We don't oftentimes see ourselves as a masterpiece that God is creating us for a specific purpose to do his work. And sometimes because we spend so much time trying to get God to fit into the box that we want God to fit in that would allow us to live the kind of lifestyle we want to live, do the kind of things we'd like to do, and make acceptance to the things that we want to make acceptance to, and we try to get God to fit into that. And we struggle to fit into God's box. When I think that God's creating a masterpiece... Right back here behind this wall, there's 40 masterpieces back there. 40 to 50 kids that we have back there that God is creating for a specific purpose. And he's creating people out here for a specific purpose to minister to them. Some of us don't know it yet. Some of us haven't accepted it. But that's part of when we get into an uncomfortable spot, that's part of fitting into the box that God has. And not putting God into our box saying that we can't do certain things or we can't live a certain way because that's just not who I am and that cramps my style or or, or that's not the way God made me. You know, he made us to fit into his box. Not to have us put him into our box. Because God wants so much more than that. He wants so much more than that for us. I think it's important there are sometimes that, that, that we feel so insignificant that what, what is God going to do with me? What is God going to do with this? I make mistake after mistake. I, I fall short day after day after day, and, and I'm just not amounting to a whole lot. But I think we need to know some things. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, said, God knew you before you were born, and he set you apart. That's not a message for, just for me. 
That's not a message just for Joe. That's a message for every one of us, that God knew you before you were born, and he set you apart. Doesn't that make a difference in the way you feel? He set you apart for a specific purpose. Not to fit into your box, but it's to fit into his box. Psalms 139, verse 13 says, and by the way, if you're ever feeling insignificant in life, or you have a friend that's feeling insignificant, or you're feeling some sort of way about somebody or something, read Psalms 139. Read Psalms 139. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God knit you together. He put you together for a specific purpose. He intricately made you and formed you to fit into his plan. See, God's values are not our values. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 tells us that no creature is hidden from his sight. So however insignificant you might feel, or insignificant somebody else, you might seem somebody else is, they're not hidden from his sight. Matthew 10, 30 says, we find out God numbers each hair on our head. See, church, we have been set apart for his purpose. Not for our purpose. Sometimes it's too easy to blend in with the crowd or go along with everybody else or go along with the majority, but God has a specific purpose for each one of us. When we see God's work and realize that he's creating a masterpiece in each one of us. No matter who you are, it changes things. It changes how you feel about your brother and your sister and how you feel about the stranger. It changes how we view God and his desires for our life. So let me ask this. Is it our vision that shapes our heart? Or is it our heart that shapes our vision? If, is he Lord? If he is Lord of our life, then it's our heart that shapes our vision. And it changes how we view things. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So, understanding how God sees each one of us and how he sees his creation changes things. So, when God is Lord of our life, when he is Lord over our heart, then our heart influences our vision. But what does it mean for God to be Lord of our life? What does that mean? What it means is, is that we realize that when we make God Lord of our life, we realize that there are so many areas in life that I fall short at. There are so many ideas and thoughts and, and struggles and sins and, and things that, that I, I, 
I walk through on a daily basis that I have the wrong attitude, I have the wrong impression, I have the wrong thought process. But when God is Lord of our life, it settles, it settles the answer when you say, hey, should I be thinking about this or should I be doing this or should this be my thought process? You know, it changes the way we view things. It changes when you see a stranger walk down the street. It's how do I view this, th- this person? Do we view him as a masterpiece of God? Or do we view him as a stranger that just doesn't matter? And I think when we understand what God has for each one of our life, then it changes our vision. But the one thing that must happen is God must be Lord of our life. to walk with us, to, to have priority over everything that we do. doesn't mean we're going to be perfect all the time. No, may make struggle after struggle. But there comes a freedom when you don't have to make the decision anymore, when God's made that decision for you, when you know what is the right way to think, when you know what is the right thing to do, when you know what the right attitude to have. doesn't mean you're always going to have the right attitude, but it does mean that, 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 that you recognize God as Lord of your life and you need him to come in and help you in that area of your life. And I think that, that we probably all have different areas in our life that we're, where God could, we need a little bit more God in our life. And so, uh, and, and so as we close today, I, th- th- this is just time for, for, uh, for, for, for you to spend with God for you to talk to him, for you to fellowship with God, and for you to give things over to him that maybe you've never given to him before. And if you've given it to him and you still struggle with it, then give it to him again. But know what is the right answer. Don't battle with what the right answer is because God is the answer. He knows what the answer is. And he can, imp- he can give you that answer too if you open up your eyes, open up your heart, and you allow him to fellowship with you and you allow him to direct you your paths. So as we close today, um, um, just, just spend some special time with Jesus. Um, talk to God. Continue to reinforce that he is Lord of your life.